It's time for the LaneCast with Montana's very own Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. All right, hello friends and welcome back to our agriculture conversations on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. Lane Nordland, happy to be with you here today and I'm excited to be joined by the president of the Montana Grain Growers Association, Mitch Conan, and their executive VP, Allison Bergeron, for our grain talk with the Montana Grain Growers coming to you from the very green part of Montana here on the Fairfield uh, bench, are we on the Fairfield bench, is that right? yes. Well, uh, Mitch, uh, thanks for inviting us uh, to your kitchen table just to kind of catch up and see how things are going. How, how are things shaping up here on your operation today? Uh, everything's looking pretty good. We, like you said, there uh, we are an oasis out here in the middle of what's fast, fastly becoming a, a a droughted desert. So uh, everything's green. Everything's going good. We're busy irrigating, trying to push the water over everything and get her get her finished off here and. And hopefully the crop, hopefully it has enough to finish filling the crop when we get done, because it sounds like we'll probably be running out of water here in a couple of weeks. Well, on your part, is it the Greenfield Irrigation Project out here? Yes, it's the Greenfield Irrigation District. It runs off of uh, Bureau of Reclamation's um, uh, irrigation project here with Gibson right off the Sun River. Well, whoever uh, came up with the Greenfield name was uh, pretty creative uh, back in the day when they were marketing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And Allison, uh, you're joining us, of course, came in from the home office there in Great Falls. Uh, again, uh, as Mitch, Mitch mentioned, that's a tough one, Mitch mentioned, I, I, I said it correctly there, um, with the drought, a lot of concerns, and I know uh, a lot of resources that we're going to talk about today and what uh, MGGA is uh, providing its members. But uh, as we move uh, throughout the uh, summertime here, uh, what are the activities there at the home office and uh, for, for the staff and activities with the board yeah so for as far as the staff goes it is a quieter time of year um phones generally don't ring that much we have had an uptick in calls um and folks reaching out across the state all over um just giving us drought reports grasshopper reports weather uh etc i've had a lot of folks reach out media also the governor's office has been in close contact and just kind of friends across the board um, we had our golf tournament back in June, so we are, um, moving forward on our convention coming up, uh, at the end of the end of November, beginning of December. So that's, uh, starting, starting that planning process and yeah, it's been, um, busier than normal as Emily would say. Well, and as Mitch uh, said the the drought situation you're getting folks calling in sending in pictures uh, I mean you look at eastern Montana uh, Marco Manuki the extension agent up at Phillips County just sharing videos and images of that spring wheat crop is pretty much gone for some of those producers with grasshoppers coming in and eating I, I know Fort Belknap Indian Reservation where my family ranches I know they sprayed uh, did aerial applications but I think that's way too late at this point that the damage is already done and, and Mitch as we mentioned you you have an irrigated place but you are going to experience a shortage in, in water but just hearing from your fellow board members and members out across the entire state uh uh, what is the picture that you can paint for our listeners just based on maybe regionally what you were hearing report-wise uh, back to the, the board? 
it's starting to sound like it's a um, pretty dire situation out there for everybody. It's uh, we have a few members that are that have started cutting um, some spring wheat, some recrop spring wheat. Most of what we're seeing right now is uh, recrop uh, crops are looking like they're taking the brunt of most of this. Uh, a lot of the winter wheat, it sounds like the winter wheat is going to be average, average to maybe a little less, but, uh, and any of the spring crops are, are really taking a, a hit on it as well. Uh, whether it's recrop or, or just spring crops, both of them are hurting real bad. Um, a lot of the spring wheat that has come off now that I've heard um, is coming in, it's high protein, but it's low test weight. They're talking 54, 55 pound test weight. So it's it's not far away from feed value uh, when it comes to quality issues. So uh, I think guys need to keep a close eye on what their crops are looking like and possibilities of, of uh, some government programs or something that might pick up some of that slack. Well, the other day, my wife and I drove over from Belt to Lewistown for the 4th of July parade, and, and we turned around after that and went went back west, and there was guys uh, west of town there. Uh, they were just, they were swathing it and putting in a windrow, and of course, the, the cattle cattle producer me, I'm like, oh, they got to test that for nitrates. But uh, as we talk about those resources that are available, and that's one thing, maybe driving home the message, how important membership in an organization like Montana Grain Growers is, is uh, people can turn to you, whether they are members or not. You, you hope they are members. But what, uh, what are some of those conversations that you're having about pointing producers into the right direction of some of those programs or some of the information coming out from the state of Montana, USDA, or uh, some of our other agencies out there? What are some of those conversations looking like and what are some of those tips you're giving? I think that's a very good point, you know, with uh, membership, it's whether you are a member or not, we are still a, a great resource for some of that information and Allison and the girls in the office and, and usually most of the, most of the uh, executive committee or some of the other members know about all the programs that are available for everybody out there. They know about all of the <clears throat> situations and some of the policies out there that might affect people. And uh, so um, being a member is going to give you a first, a first shot at a lot of that information. I mean, it's, it's going to be readily available through our Montana Marketing Manager uh, website there. Uh, Allison and Emily do a good job of keeping that posted up every day. And any, any new uh, policies or something that come down, they're in that newsletter on a daily basis along with the markets. So uh, we get a lot of questions, whether they're members or not. You know, we're going to answer them because we're here for the grain industry of Montana. And Allison, talking about that online tool that the association utilizes to engage with producers, can, can you maybe share what are some of the, the resources on there other than uh, maybe drought resources, but uh, uh, market information, uh, key uh, information that, that is included on a daily and weekly basis, just so our friends that haven't maybe utilized that in their members, uh, how, how can they get logged in uh, once they pay their dues, of course, probably? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it is a paid membership um, opportunity, and it's certainly something we have a lot of traffic on um, in 
it, all generations are utilizing it. We do keep it up to date with even just daily news clips as far as kind of what's going on on the Hill in uh, Washington, D.C., from um, local news to trade to uh, international policy. So we try to certainly keep some of the big things on the forefront of that. Uh, the market information is on there as well. And it's certainly an opportunity that MGGA can um, continue to build out on and utilize to benefit the growers across the state. Uh, as far as um, what our members and our board are doing right now is we've I've received a lot of pictures and a lot of videos, photos, um, statistics, et cetera, that has been really valuable for me to share with our congressional delegation, share with FSA, share with the governor's office. Um, and so I cannot thank and encourage folks enough to continue to do that. Um, it's certainly something we love to showcase when we have a good harvest and this and that. Mm -hmm. And we will collect media that way as well. But um, right now it's just very valuable that people tell their story, share what it really looks like, and uh, it helps us have some leverage. And for our listeners out there, especially on our on the Western Ag Network radio programs that Russell Nimitz and I produce, we're talking about drought and wildfires every single day. The impact that it's having on the agricultural markets, the impact that it's having just on farmers' mental health. Uh, it, it's just it, this is just not a fun summer whatsoever. Uh, but when we look at uh, the opportunities to uh, engage with uh, membership, um, what, what are some ways that uh, the, the grassroots level of Montana grain growers uh, being just out in the field, how, how do the different board members, how can they engage? Or uh, let me rephrase that. How can producers out in the countryside engage with their board members that are representing the Montana grain growers on their behalf? Well, you know, going to that website of Montana Grain Growers, uh, uh, you can access a list of all of the board members that, that are on MGGA and uh, find out who your regional board member is. And, and I'm pretty sure most, most guys know who they are and most folks know who they are and, and who they always have them visits at the coffee shops or wherever. And I think just keeping an open open form of communication amongst everybody, whether it's coffee shops or at the sale barn or wherever, and uh, staying informed, just keeping everybody informed and finding out what the neighbors are doing is, uh, I mean, that's all we can do is just make sure we keep, keep uh, the conversation going amongst everybody. And Allison, in your previous uh, careers working in uh, in the political realm uh, for a U.S. senator and uh, just being involved on the government aspect of things, how important is it, as you mentioned, just sending those photos and pictures, how important is it, though, for that uh, relationship building but just to say, hey, these are what our producers are going through. Uh, Mr. Governor, you need to press the federal government to respond to this. Uh, could you just talk about that relationship building? And, and again, we love having uh, great times out there, but it's critical times like these when these relationships really pull through. Right. I, um, I've had a few growers will call and say, we know you have good resources. Here are some, here's what we're seeing. And when I first heard that, I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but then it, it's, val it's priceless. It's really valuable to be able to know who we're emailing, who we're calling and talking to, and really just a direct line to our congressional staff. And I know they value it. 
It's certainly when you're sitting in the office of Washington, D.C., it's hard to realize um, what it actually looks like on the ground and what it looks like to have a grower standing in the field that's nearly bare and that's as good as it's going to get. So that is really um, something that I'm passionate about is sharing the on the ground, the grassroots to the halls of Washington, D.C. And Mitch, as a leader, but as a member and a producer yourself, having the the opportunity to walk into, whether it be an elected official's office or uh, an appointed official's office is so important. And just that name recognition that the Montana grain growers bring, especially during times like this, um, it, it's, it's vital. Oh, we've, I mean, folks before my time have made it a good point to you know, build strong relationships with those offices and all of the people that are involved, whether it's on the Hill or at the agencies in the, in Helena or even in D.C. And it's those strong relationships that we built with them um, uh, that, uh, you know, we do most of our business on. When they when they see Montana Grand Growers Association on the, on the docket for visitation, they they all take a special amount of time to come visit with us because they know that's that we are the hometown people, home state people, and that's who they they really look at what we have to say, and they know that it's uh, it's heartfelt coming from the from right straight from the farms. And as we maybe talk about uh, some of those issues going on in Washington D.C. and really. Uh, uh, Probably a month or two months ago, the, the the top items we were discussing on air, the 30 by 30, uh, waters of the U.S., uh, infrastructure, stepped-up basis, and, and it just seems our, our focus in media is just making sure that we're, that we're getting the word out there on resources and information for producers. But uh, uh, these are still very important uh, issues on the tops of farmers' and ranchers' minds. Uh, and uh, now meetings can actually occur on Washington, D.C., face-to-face. It, it's taken a while. Uh, the uh, uh, perimeter fence has been taken down yeah. around the Capitol, uh, but talking to so many folks out in D.C. that were just able to go to a Senate Agriculture Committee hearing the other day mm-hmm. um, and be able to to see the elected officials. That, that That is so important. Even though Zoom changed the way that folks can share testimony and experiences, that face-to-face is so important. So when, when we look at those issues that are impacting uh, producers, uh, the infrastructure bill has uh, been at the top of producers' minds. Uh, I interviewed uh, Secretary of Agriculture Tom Vilsack. That audio is in a previous podcast, and he was really – uh, stumping for the infrastructure package and and I was pressing him on those key issues of how are how is this bill going to get paid for if it does pass Congress uh, and there's that fear that the stepped up basis could be removed that more uh, that family operations could be taxed and USDA promised they they made a promise that we're not going to tax almost 99.9% of farmers, I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but a promise, like I've said, a promise by USDA is so much different than actual legislation passed by elected politicians out in Washington, D.C. So what are some of the resources or efforts that Montana Grain Growers is taking to understand what the infrastructure package could look like, what different tax packages could look like, and just making sure that producers' voices are heard in these circumstances. Well, that's it. You know, we're we're out and about, and we're listening to everybody's concerns. 
about all of this. And um, when it comes to this infrastructure and these tax packages and everything, it's, you know, it, it gets brought out and it seems to be the, the main topic out there when it comes to the news and everything else. And how are we going to pay for it and all of this? And, and, and at this time, you know, a lot of that is just, it's, it's a thought process, number one, first. So I think they kind of throw it out there and then, you know, it gets thrown into a tin can and gets shucked around to find out what falls out. Because uh, there's a lot of legislation that's got to go through before any of this gets set in stone. And I, th I think we kind of got to kind of watch ourselves a little bit to where we don't get too hyped up in it. But we definitely, you know, it's nice that they throw that out there and make sure we see it all. And then we can uh, go back to them and say, you know, th this is not going to work real well here, or maybe we can do it better over on this side or something. So I don't know if it's a good way to do it or if it's a bad way, but, I mean, it's out there, and we all get to chew on it, and we get to look it over. And, and that's what DCs is, is about is uh, coming up with, agreements that are good for both sides and i think that's what we gotta keep in mind here is keep a cool head on it make good conversation make good discussions about it find a find those good points to these programs um find s some way to resolve some of the cost issues or anything else because it definitely is it's going to come back and and uh, our kids are the ones that are gonna have to pay for this well, and that's one thing is it's okay to have conversations yeah. about these things. And, and, and most politicians, when they do sit down and look at the issues, um, sometimes they have to be fed with a spoon to, to make it make be common sense on some of these issues because it comes back to the point, rural America and urban America, there is such a big divide. But people are so concerned about where their food comes from, which I think everyone should want to know more about the food that they eat. But then that also comes back into the climate conversation as well. Um, I, I, I think uh, an elected uh, individual, a rancher from Minnesota, put it best as uh, uh, elections have consequences. And you just have to roll with what those consequences are. And when we hear about the 30 by 30 plan, or now as it's coined America the Beautiful, I believe is what the Biden administration is calling it. Uh, America the Beautiful plan, I think is what it was. If not, uh, somebody is going to email me and tell me how wrong I am. Uh, <laughs> they're going to at you. Yeah, they're going to at me uh, <laughs> on social media. But when we come to the climate conversation and sustainability and regenerative agriculture. What are the conversations that are happening at your kitchen table about uh, uh, engaging with consumers or with your buyers or what what uh, what maybe changes have to take place on your operation or how do we better share that? Maybe maybe you could share your personal examples of that, but maybe uh, as an organization, uh, what Montana Grain Growers is doing to just, again, be a voice, listen to the concerns of producers, but also be at the table so that policy is not pushed through by the folks that do not want to listen. <laughs> well, you know, as growers, when we get together as board or when we get together as an organization and we have these discussions when it, when it comes to climate, and a lot of it comes down to and sustainability. A lot of us have already dealt with a lot of the sustainability issues because a lot of the, the grain buyers uh, are all have sustainability 
clauses in their contracts mm-hmm. and everything else. So we understand where they're coming from with that and where we're at. Um, we wouldn't be out here on this farm for as long as we have. I'm a third generation farmer on this land here uh, without being sustainable, number one. So we're taking care of the land. Um, I think people are are looking at it uh, from a climate change. You know, we have cycles in our climate from years to years all the time there's whether it's 10 year cycles or 100 year cycles it doesn't matter we're just we just happen to be in a cycle right now where we're hot and dry um we like to look at some of the possible causes of it is it man-made how much of it is man-made how much of it is beyond our control so we got to look at both sides of that and all of that but there's not a farmer out there i don't know that sustainability isn't always on the top of their their mind when they're out there we're trying to do things the least least cost method method you know least fuel burned uh we don't waste a whole lot hardly any at all because it's just money down the drain if it is so when it comes to sustainability i think we're the number one (laughs) sustainability people there is out there conservation i mean we're, we're we conserve the most out there that, that we can. Uh, the companies are coming through with their sustainability programs and everything else. Hopefully it benefits us. That's the big thing uh, we're trying to do. I think they recognize the fact of what everything that we do out here. And they're trying to capture some of that as well. Uh, the value we, we kind of hope to see the value get passed down to us mm-hmm. a little bit too, but uh, it's an equation that all of us are a part of. So working together, and we work together with all of the grain company, grain buying companies that we deal with that have these sustainability issues. Um, like I say, it's just we're, we're working together on it all. And something that NOG is doing is we have a special committee on climate and sustainability and NOG, National Association of Wheat Growers. Thanks for saying that because I know (laughs) some of our listeners are like, what's a NOG? (laughs) Um, Is certainly something that really elevates our members to have a voice in Washington, D.C., not just the hallways, but um, all in Washington, D.C. and with the federal agencies. Uh, we work with them very closely. We're in, in constant communication. We have, thanks to Zoom, we are able to have a lot of different meetings with folks across the nation um, who are also struggling with the same thing, kind of to go back on the tax policy and the 30 by 30 and drought and grasshoppers and all sorts of, you know, national heritage area, area national heritage areas. Yep. And, um, so we all can collaborate together and we can all um, really just be really well represented in Washington, D.C., thanks to our our big sister association. So, so we might as well throw another acronym at them, too. So NBGA, which is National Barley Growers yep. Association, which we are also a member mm-hmm. of, too, mm-hmm. has, a, has them same issues. I mean, they have the same... Uh, same contacts up on the hill and and whether it's ag committees or the senators and everything else and they're doing a part of it as well so between nog and mbga we're we're pretty well represented 
on uh, on the hill in D.C. Yep. Well, and, and just speaking of Nog, uh, a few weeks ago uh, we interviewed Chandler Gould uh, with uh, Nog out in D.C., and, and you were on a trip with him and also with uh, Cindy Johnson, vice president of the Montana uh, Farm Bureau Federation, along the Snake River. And uh, I, I remember seeing all that, uh, just a part of it, when I was a state FFA officer with the Wheat and Barley Committee sponsored us to go out on the Follow the Grain Tour. And so you get to see just a slight aspect of the grain that goes along and how much and how vital that is to producers here in Montana and the Pacific Northwest. Uh, could you maybe talk about the purpose of that and uh, why, why why was it important for a producer from Montana to be on that trip as well? Because the Snake River's not Montana. Well, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> you know, I remember years and years ago when I was a young guy, um, there was a lot of trucks that left Montana that went to the river in Lewiston. They went to the port there at Lewiston, Idaho. Uh, we we grew a lot of wheat here, and it got a lot of it got marketed out there on that river. Um, a lot of everything's kind of come specialized now. The Oregon, Idaho area in Washington is a lot of soft white wheats and white wheats over there now. So that port is pretty much exclusive white wheat now. So a lot of red wheats that come out of Montana don't go to the river anymore. I think the number somebody threw out there, there's only 1% or 2% out of Montana actually goes up and down that river. But the thing about it is, is all of our red wheats go on a train all the way to Portland. Well, if they tear out those dams and get rid of the ports on that river and that barge traffic on the river, that's going to put undue stress on trucks and on the train rail system out to the coast. So that ultimately that's going to have an effect on us back here in Montana, either by the trucks or especially through that rail system that we have that comes through Montana all the way out to the Pacific Northwest. So uh, them being our neighbors and in the wheat game as well. I mean, we're all uh, in it together. So I, we felt it was good that we had some support out there to help them with them, with their controversies and whatnot, well, just and like the, they help us. Yeah. Well, let's maybe talk about those controversies that rewind uh, about and get back to the basics with those dams. Of course, there's environmentalists that want those dams removed um, because they, uh, and may, and I'll, I'll just let you share that. Why, why do they want the dams removed? Uh, number one was uh, it was mostly about the fish run, the salmon run up and down from the ocean up back up to their uh, tributaries and whatnot, where they uh, where they begin their life cycle, and everybody, quite a few people think that them dams and and that system up there is a blockage for that life cycle within them fish. Uh, from the tour that I took, that's not what we were seeing. Uh, they have spent an awful lot of money on those dams to make sure the fish ladders work, to make sure the fish have a free run up and down that river. Uh, Lower Granite Dam, where we toured, uh, they have a special fish uh, research center there where they are actually counting the number of fish that are going up and down the river, mm -hmm. and they can do it pretty good, pretty accurately as, as well, too. And they do have fish numbers. They've got. The, they showed us a bunch of numbers on the fish runs, and that's. It's a natural flow of the river there. They don't pool up any water. They don't stop any water. If it's coming down from up above, it goes right through them dams. It it doesn't pool up and 
and warm up quite as much as they say it does. But the fish numbers that they had ever since the 1930s when the Bonneville Dam got put in, those four other dams got put online, I believe it was in 1974. And the fish numbers steadily increased for the next 10 years or better. And all of a sudden, then the fish numbers started uh, decreasing. And then they kind of cycled back up, and now they're cycling back down. Well, a lot of that, and the only thing that they can attribute it to that follows along with the rest of the climate is the Pacific Oscillation. So it's kind of an, o uh, an ocean problem, not really a problem, it's just an ocean cycle that the fish are following, that the fish numbers follow. So it's not necessarily any of the dams that was causing that. Some of the flow on the rivers uh, m cause it a little bit, but that's natural. Uh, if, if there's no snowpack, there's no river run, uh, that's going to kind of decrease some of that too. But uh, the numbers that they showed us, uh, a lot of it kind of trended right along with that Pacific Oscillation. So what were some of the uh, talking points or examples that the folks in that region on the river are utilizing education-wise to help educate the public from the misinformation that uh, radical environmentalists are putting out there? Well, one of the things is if they, if they do pull those dams out of that river, most of the West Coast is going to go dark because they generate a lot of that electricity. That, that gets used in Portland. Like Lower Granite Dam alone is what, what it takes to light up Portland. So then you got four more dams down there. Well, that's Seattle, that's San Francisco, that's Los Angeles. Because that's where that power goes. Mm -hmm. And Lower Granite Dam, they had six generators in that dam. Only one of them was turning because that's all it took to, to uh, energize whatever their, their demand was at the time. So, I mean, they bounce between one or two of them usually, and then in the peak periods, they might turn one or two on, but it's not for very long. So if you take them dams out, uh, that's a lot of renewable energy, whether it's wind, solar, or wherever it's going to come from, that has to be replaced. And the other thing is, if you take them dams out and you don't have barge traffic up and down the river, you're going to have a lot of... Uh, highway infrastructure that's not going to, it's going to start breaking down due to the added traffic. And the other thing is, is, is the rail. Uh, it's going to put undue pressure on a rail to go from there to the Pacific Coast where, where it gets loaded on ships and, and exported out. Uh, which is going to have a ripple effect on everything back this direction and, and up and down the, the systems altogether. And that's really what's concerning to us is, you know, let's not bottleneck up the, the rails any more than they already are for our commodities to get to get out. Exactly. And as we speak of water, um, back in January of 2020, President Trump announced the uh, replacement to the 2015 Waters of the U.S. rule. Um, and that uh, replacement rule, of course, was called the Navigable Waters Protection Rule. And elections have consequences, and the Biden administration announced pretty early on that the EPA and Army Corps were going to not quite bring back the Obama-era WOTUS rule, but they were going to 
replace the rule that replaced the waters of the U.S. rule. And actually, I, I do see that uh, this just came out uh, this week that a, a court has uh, ensured that the Trump rule will stay in effect until a replacement rule of Trump's replacement rule, <laughs> hopefully I'm not confusing folks out there, is in effect. So that uh, navigable protection rule that uh, replaced the waters of the U.S. rule that was opposed by landowners and agricultural groups, um, that is not in effect now, which, which is good to hear. But uh, we are seeing some type of a resurrection to WOTUS with the current administration. What are some of the concerns that the grain growers has with a rule like this? And what are some of the educational ad advocacy efforts that NOG and MGGA are going to be working on, along with the uh, National Barley as well? Well, I think a lot of it is going to has to do with our water resources, especially out here. Um, when we talk about snowpack back in the mountains and stream flow and everything else, uh, and what, what are you going to call navigable waters? Uh, on being on an irrigation project, it's a Bureau of Reclamation owns it. It's a it's a part of the Department of Interior. Uh, a lot of these canals, drain ditches, and, and ditches are all man-made. They're non-navigable. Yet under the WOTUS, there they would be underneath uh, that control uh, with the WOTUS rule. They're not recognized as being man-made. Uh, and when you talk about WOTUS, even a hoofprint full of water was going to be <laughs> was going to be regulated in some <laughs> form or fashion. And uh, it seemed like um, how true that was. I don't know that they have enough inspectors out there to come out there and really make it a, a point to somebody. But it, when it comes to the prairie potholes, whether it's North Dakota, Montana, uh, Washington and Idaho, Oregon, um, the prairie potholes, you know, they they do have water in them when it rains and when it snows when we have spring, but by the end of the fall, there's, it's dried up and gone. So uh, uh, what's going to happen to that water resource under WOTUS? Uh, I don't think we were really sure to begin with. Um, the big thing is is, uh, is protecting that water resource, which we always do in, in the form that we're using it now. So uh, I don't know if there was other thoughts of what they could do with them resources elsewhere. I'm not sure where they came from, but uh, the WOTUS rule was, it was tough just from a navigable water definition of knowing what that actually meant. I don't, I've never figured it out yet what that actually mm -hmm. meant. And as far as uh, kind of what MGGA is going to be doing or has been doing, um, we do have a committee with uh, NOG on energy and natural resources, environment and natural resources. And, um, you know, we do have good contacts to meet with the committees or NOG meets with the committees and meets with um, kind of those smaller groups that we can really ask those hard questions or try to find more information. So we're not just, you know, on the Google trying to find information. <laughs> we're able to to get it kind of directly from the horse's mouth, and that really helps um, myself and our exec team and our board kind of be able to have these conversations like once we have that that insight. 
that Nog provides us. Now, uh, maybe getting back to the production and marketing end of our conversation today, uh, obviously uh, yields and, and, and quality aren't going to be great for, for some producers out there, but uh, when weather and trade issues do pop up, that does tend to support prices, and we have been seeing uh, quite the, the rally in those futures and those cash prices out there. Uh, what, what are you hearing um, from your fellow producers? Obviously, we are faced with a lot of uh, natural uh, resource issues, weather issues this year, but uh, just seeing a little bit of an uptick on, on those uh, winter wheat and spring wheat uh, uh, prices out there. Well, what, what are some of the, the things that people are talking about, maybe on a more optimistic note when it comes to prices? Well, optimistically, you can't get any better than what we're seeing right now as far as markets are. <laughs> and I think that's why it stings so bad, yes. though. It's like <laughs> yeah. you got the good prices, but your fields look terrible. Uh, that, and that's doesn't that always how it works? I mean, we don't have any crop at all, and, and there's no price. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. or it's really high price, and we have no crop, or, or we have all kinds of crop, and there's no price. So six of one, half a dozen the other, you pick and choose, what do you do? And, uh, like, right now... You know, supplies are are really tight. Uh, the malt barley industry right now is scrambling for malt mm-hmm. barley. And one thing I would like to put out there is we, we hear about guys that are cutting wheat, rolling it up into hay and everything else. Uh, yeah. Make sure you go through, if you're insured, make sure you go through your insurance uh, company and get the okay to do that because that could come back and bite you. Um, sounds like if you leave representative strips out there, uh, they will give you an adjustment on it. Uh, when it comes to malt barley contracts, uh, malt barley right now, companies are saying they want the barley. They, they're going to wait and see what the condition looks like before they'll ever release any of it. If you have a contract, you're bound to that contract. Yeah. Don't make sure you keep yourself protected on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the WASDE report just came out, yeah. and we're seeing reports coming out of Stats Canada and everybody, and, and it sounds like, you know, the, the crop is good. Kansas just got done with their harvest. We know they had some uh, some freezing issues earlier on, but they still just got done with a record-breaking harvest. Yep. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe, and I guess we'll take it. Uh, well, th- that's what the reports are. So, but the price keeps going up. So evidently, there's a need for it out there. A ten cent increase on that winter wheat, right? Yeah, it's almost twenty cents today. Yeah. So and canola is the same way. Uh, sounds like what I heard from a few friends across uh, the border mm-hmm. up north that uh, they don't have much of a crop up there either. Yeah. Um, today, canola's. I think closed at about nine twelve or nine fifteen a metric ton. Oh, that's double what I was selling it for two years ago. Yep. Uh, so, and how's and your canola looking this year? <laughs> and I don't have any canola <laughs> this year. Of course. <laughs> but, but everybody, there's a lot of canola around the country there right, right now in, in my area, and a lot of them guys are sitting on contracts that they wish they didn't have because yep. uh, when they got the contract, it was priced about half of that. So yep. um, we just take it, and it seems like it, there's always that cycle. We always take it. 
Um, there's a lot of guys that have contracts out there, HTAs and stuff. Hopefully they can roll some of them forward. It's going to cost them a little bit, mm -hmm. but if they don't have their production, they got to protect themselves. Um, so it's the marketing games that we got to play all the time and it's, yeah, it wears on us. Well, and, and uh, we should throw out there though, that that spring wheat production was down 41% from last year. Uh, it was forecast at 345 million bushels just to give a little spring wheat shout out there too. Mm -hmm. But speaking of the, let, let's just look at what those prices did close up on this Friday, the 16th of July. Yeah. Winter wheat in September was up 11 today at 651. Yeah, that spring wheat, Michael Jordan digits up 23 in September at 917. Chicago also up two dimes at 692. Corn, though, that was lower. And really, corn was really driving all the grain prices a few months ago, mm -hmm. which had livestock producers uh, really sour. <laughs> we were watching that. Obviously, corn, uh, a big driver in the livestock into things, but also uh, as it, that spillover support that we see in the three wheat complexes on the exchanges in um, soybeans, obviously they've had a, a heck of a run too. It, I always joke that when I became a farm broadcaster uh, several years back, that's when the grain markets took a dump. So <laughs> Thanks, I'm, I'm glad that they're, <laughs> that they're starting to come up. So hopefully though, we can have some, some rain here in the next few years to go along with those prices. <laughs> yeah. At the right time. Yes. Let's not just throw rain out yeah, there. Yeah. Not in November, like <laughs> Phillips County got a few years ago, like 14 inches in two days and blew out every culvert there. Hey, speak Speaking of counties, or I'll let you make your point, then I'm going to make my point. I had, yeah, I was just going to add one thing there, too, is uh, you kind of wonder what's what's going to happen. I mean, the demand for, for corn and soybeans is out there and when you talk about the cattle business. But with this drought and everything and, and uh, the lack of, of hay and feedstuffs yep. coming out of Montana and these northern regions, um, there's going to be a lot of liquidation of livestock herds and we're we're already starting to see that uh we get phone calls two or three times a day here looking for straw barley straw to bail up hay anything that's available for feedstocks so you know everything whether it's uh people food or animal food that's the, the demand is for it is there for it that's why the prices is high um 40% reduction is the estimate, The is what they're saying, possible 40% reduction in the state's cow herd this fall. Wow. Yeah, I've been hearing similar numbers, mm -hmm. and I've been hearing some other numbers as yep. well. That's It It does not look pretty for sure. No. So. Yeah, we feel for our cattle friends. Yes. Well, again, uh, straw and hay, that's a cash crop this year for sure. It is. <laughs> and I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> so our listeners out there, do not call the Conan operation for, for, for I'm that. I'm already sold out, yeah. <laughs> hey, I was going to give you some grief. Does the county commissioner like live on these back roads here? Because you guys got some good gravel and How maintained about it? roads. Well, you, you came out from Great Falls today and you're coming on this road out here. This is a missile road. Oh, oh I have a I have sense. a missile alert facility just right over the hill here, so <laughs> I get a missile road, and they and you and they just graded it yesterday. So oh, I mean, they, just for they us. knew we were coming. Yeah. Out. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, usually I always kid them because they always come out with the, with their road graders, and I figure they're just recalibrating the the washboard. So <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> as dry and dusty as it is, it doesn't take long to blow the dust out. 
Hey, uh, I, I do uh, want to lighten the mood a little bit, but uh, when we were in your room, back room there, uh, when you, you were, I, I didn't bring a, an extra microphone, so thank God Mitch came prepared here for our broadcast today. But uh, you showed me a picture of uh, you and Chris Ledoux. Maybe let, let's get off the grain talk. Uh, what, what was that like, meeting Chris Ledoux there in, in Great Falls and having a few cold ones and also uh, picking and grinning with him? Oh, that was a lot of fun. That was Several years ago, back when the old JBRT was still there in Great Falls, and and uh, ended up having a he was having a concert there, and they came in and did their show, and he he used to do a lot of pyrotechnics techniques, and they were they were very small because the ceiling was short, <laughs> but they were just loud enough and and hot flashy enough that they popped the breaker three times, and they said the show's over. And everybody left, but about a half a dozen of me and my friends sitting around a table. And him and the band came back in to have a beer and sat down with us, and we we got to visit for a while. And they all went out and got guitars, brought them back in. And we sat around, pack, picked and sing a little bit. And yeah, it was a very cool guy. Did they close the bar down early, though? It was a Sunday afternoon, so <laughs> yeah, it took a long time. We were there. T- we closed it down. <laughs> Are you going to sing us a little ditty? Not today. Oh, come on. I Maybe got too, much, con- too much smoke and dust in my throat today. How about convention? We'll see. I'll bring I'll bring my guitar for <laughs> a convention. How hey. about that? Well, we'll get Nathan Keene to bring his, and yeah. you can bring yours, and we'll, we'll just we'll get up and do a little. Ditty. Uh, yeah, a little grain little grain group sing along <laughs> you know for maybe our younger producers listening maybe they're multi-generation maybe they're first generation and we talk about convention attending a meeting can be a pretty overwhelming event especially when you show up your parents might say hey you need to just go to this meeting <laughs> and maybe you've never been to one uh there's a full agenda and you're like i don't know what policy committees these are i'm a little bit in over my head where they're they're a, a, a man a woman a young couple maybe they're getting into ag as i mentioned for the first time what what is your tip to to just say come come attend somebody will say welcome and uh, uh, they'll help lead you around. They won't hold your hand, but they'll point you in the right direction. How important is it to take that step? Because it, it can be overwhelming. For me as a farm broadcaster, when I go to, <laughs> to, to an event for the first time, I know uh, as a cow guy, the first time I went to the grain growers, I was a li- little overwhelmed. Thank God the Broyles family was there to p- help point me in the right direction too, and I took my cowboy hat off and, and uh, didn't want to stand out with my cowboy hat on at the grain growers event. But what's your tip to those producers that, haven't engaged yet but they want to but they just need the push in the right direction well you know yeah we'd like to see everybody come to the convention and and partake of all of the all of the meetings that are going on and and all of the different events that are there and we have a big trade show so you can come and look at the some of the new technology and everything else as well and i'll guarantee you you will not be among strangers uh, everybody there is is in the same boat you're in. We're all agriculturalists. We're all farmers, ranchers, whatever. And if you have a, something that is just bugging you all the time, come to the convention and air it out. I mean, uh, we can't change some of these policies and some of these rules and regulations that get thrown at us all the time unless we're sitting at the table having that discussion with them and 
that's one thing about Montana grain growers is we've we've uh, got those relationships to where we can be sitting at the table at that discussion table. We're not there. We are not the lunch. We are there no. trying to find out what we can put on the menu. <laughs> so, and unless you come and speak up, somebody needs to speak up about their problems, and I'll guarantee you, you're not the only one that has that problem. Right. All of us have usually have some form of that same problem. So, getting together with like-minded folks and and sitting down, hashing out, coming out with answers. Hopefully, we can find some answers to them. I mean, we're not there to just point fingers and say that isn't going to work. We got it. We got to come back and say, hey, uh, well, what about if we do it this direction yep. once and see if that doesn't work? And compromise compromise that's that's basically what dc is it's always one big compromise something gets thrown out we've got to find out if it sticks to the wall if it doesn't we got to fix it and come about it a different way but uh as new members and people that are thinking about wanting to become members you're welcome to come to the convention as well mm -hmm. and come and visit with like-minded people and, and uh, sit down and the bar's always open. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a huge opportunity for education. I mean, we try to bring in speakers um, as far as like cutting edge. There's always tech and um, ag policy uh, discussed. And then, yeah, we do have the trade show. So there's an opportunity you can talk to those folks individually um, as far as, you know, of various nonprofits, the universities there, extension um, and research. Um, and then just all of our associate members are there. And it's really, prior to working with MGGA, it was one of my favorite events um, because there were people from all walks of life that were there and um, folks that you don't always see on a regular basis. So it's good to see those folks come in. Um, and just to go back, our dates are November 30th to December 2nd um, here in Great Falls. So. Well, hunt, hunting season should be wrapped up then by then, so, so I think you can I can make attend. It? Okay, well, good. November 30th is my mom's birthday, so. <laughs> well, we'll see you on the 1st. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's my best friend's birthday, too. Oh, my as gosh. Well. I, 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 I can remember Stop birthdays it. pretty good there, but uh, no, i excited to uh, everyone to be back in person there yes, at the Heritage Inn in Great Falls. Involvement is a big key. If you if you want to keep, keep uh, agriculture going and all of all of the policies or all of the issues that we have to deal with is uh if get involved that's all i can say is we need to get involved air out your issues and everything else and like i said it you're not the only one that thinks that way you're not the one the only one that feels that way yeah. uh and with a concerted effort of everybody together we usually come out with some pretty good answers mm -hmm. and be sure to introduce yourself to us you know to our staff to myself to our exec team and board, uh, board of directors, uh, we certainly um, value everybody's input and and encourage people to introduce themselves. Well, again, uh, we'll continue to have our grain talks uh, throughout the year with the Montana Grain Growers. But uh, Mitch, thanks for inviting us out to your place here and and that nice. Uh, uh, nice uh, missile base road here. <laughs> You're more than welcome. So do they plow it too then for you? Is it always well plowed? It's, um, I'm going to stay on the lighter side. They don't always plow it, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's pretty nice road. It's so maintained. It's maintained. Okay. They come out and, you know, they got to spend some money every now and then. 
when it gets thrown at the military. So it, it gets it gets resurfaced about every eight or ten years. So, hmm. well, the lucky ones out of missile bi- missile road, except <laughs> when the Humvees are only going like twenty miles an hour on <laughs> yeah. these sometimes. But uh, again, Allison Bergeron with the Montana Grain Growers, their executive vice president, Mitch Conan president of the Montana Grain Growers. Uh, any last words before I uh, let us get back to our day here? We just we just hope everybody has a, a safe and hopefully bountiful harvest, uh, mainly safe harvest. Um, tensions might get high and everything else, but we just gotta we just gotta stay focused on what we're doing here. And and uh, if you have any concerns about what could happen with your crop insurance or how it could affect you, and whether it's crop insurance or whether it's uh, some uh, disaster aid policies that happen mm-hmm. to come down from either the state or the or the uh, from DC um, and how it might affect you don't be afraid to give us a call and see if we can't come up with some answers for you yeah yeah and we are I've reached out to our congressional delegation and like I said the governor has been in close contact so it's certainly you know at the risk of Um, getting sick of talking about drought, we are not letting up and we will do everything we can to get the help we can for our members. And it's been a great thing that uh, uh, Governor Gianforte stepped forward right off the bat and declared Montana a disaster, a drought disaster area. So it, it, that really brings the focus right down to home Mm -hmm. and, and throws that point towards DC to uh, say, look at, uh, some of the problems we might be having well again more of those resources can be found uh for the uh member one of the membership opportunities those online resources uh uh, what's it called again allison montana market manager montana market manager and a great resource uh, to keep all producers up to speed and and you know what Uh, membership's pretty cheap uh, when you hear about all that uh, Montana Grain Growers and their national affiliates do on your behalf uh, mm-hmm. to, to make sure that you're staying in business, that r- regulations don't uh, put you out of business, and that there's more opportunities for you in Montana agriculture. Well, uh, friends, thank you so much. Uh, we'll sign off here from the kitchen table at the Conan Farm and Ranch. I'm Lane Northland. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.